uh, yeah so i'm i'm helping those two guys out like sal and jeremy and then i've just started taking up a uh, few consulting gigs so my current goal for like for next 5 to 7 years so i'm 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 not i don't want to get into something for 6 8 10 months anymore mm. i've done that over last 10 years yeah i'm looking at like next 5 to 7 years and the way i see it it's like uh, the over the next next 5 7 years 25 to 30% of world population will be using blockchain and smart contracts but mm. they won't know it like yeah. the way I, easiest way to explain it is today you me and even our parents use javascript they have no idea what javascript is but everyone uses it mm-hmm. same way people will be using blockchain and smart contracts yeah and to get there we need the core fundamental tech building blocks things mm-hmm. like apple things like amazon things like uh, paypal of web3 yeah. of the crypto space and my goal is to be a part of building those it's like in 7 years if i look back at the 7 years i spent from today i should be able to tell myself that if i was not alive in the world the world wouldn't have been here so i would be a core contributor in building that world up so that's kind of the big hairy audacious goal for me over the next 7 years i, I love it we'll uh, we'll unpack that but um ladies and gentlemen welcome to naked passion podcast uh, we've got a pioneer on this evening uh, you've just heard how passionate this man is uh, ashwin nandapurkar um i hope i got that close enough i apologize ashwin if i no, if it, i missed it it is it. great it is great <laughs> um just quickly ashwin I'd like to have a quick shout out tonight for our sponsors uh curtain trend uh living on the gold coast give them a call they're found in oxenford or your window furnishings but uh, ashwin thank you very much and welcome to the show thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to chat today mate i'm i'm uh, i'm very excited for uh for the next couple of hours because um uh you've had a brilliant past and and it seems like your future is going to be even brighter so uh i've got a million places i'd love to begin uh, no mm-hmm. better place than the than the beginning i guess ashwin so do you want to just um actually before we take it back to where it all began for yourself maybe mm-hmm. just give uh give our audience um i guess the elevator pitch for a little bit of background on uh, what it is you do cool so i i am a builder executor operator of businesses i've been doing this for last 10 years i've built a lot of different businesses different industries uh the biggest one was my last role where i scaled the company from 5000 monthly recurring revenue to over a million dollars monthly recurring revenue in a period of like 8 to 10 months wow. i was part of building that up i was like the sixth employee of the company part of founding team and then when i left the company was 150 people so all of that ups and downs that happens during that phase i've been through that that is like the biggest one or the most successful one for now and after i left that last august i've been spending all of my time in the blockchain smart contract space because i think that's the future i think we started with that so yeah i'm i'm consulting projects here i'm helping them build the business side of stuff and probably will start something of my own or join a like early stage team like four or five people team over the next uh, three to six months that's that's uh exciting um, while we're here ashwin because uh, i i want to hear a lot about this story mate scaling mm-hmm. uh scaling from 8000 mrr to to over a million that's 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 incredible that's that's once in a lifetime uh type hyper growth we're not yep. even talking over you know 20 to 30 years you you're talking you say 8 to 10 months yep 
that's uh, let's start there, I think, and then we'll we'll take it back because that's that sounds incredible. Uh, what what can you share about that experience, mate? That must have been exhilarating. It was so honestly. I think it was more about being prepared for it. So I, it's like it was a it was a combination of luck and seeing into the future. So mm-hmm. like we were a virtual events company, but we were that before the pandemic. A lot of people came into virtual events after the pandemic hit. We were there like since July of 2019. We are trying to figure out what works for our customers, who are our customers, building those growth loops and things like that. Yeah. So what happened was from August of 2019 to Feb of 2020, we had done a lot of stuff in the background, built a kick-ass product which people who used loved. It wasn't too many people, as I said. It was like 5,000 monthly recurring revenue, very minuscule number of people. But whoever was using our product, they loved it. So we had a kind of a product market fit already done before the pandemic hit. So as the pandemic hit, we just needed to make sure we set the right processes to scale the sales up, scale the ops up because product was there. Then during that time, as as sales started coming in, it's, it's again, it was more about the grind. It's like any startup is about the grind. So it was like I... During those times, I, I live in India. So like US time zones and Australia time zones very early or late for me. Yeah. I literally used to wake up at 6.30 or rather wake up at 6. My first call used to be 6.30 and back to back without breaks, more than without more than 15 minutes breaks. I used to be just on sales calls, 6.30 in the morning to 9.30 in the evening. That was 15 hours for probably two and a half, three months because I was the only sales guy. I wow. had to do it. So that that was first step wherein just getting from, let's say, 5K to 100K. That was like doing it solo and then eventually getting one more person and both of us doing the same thing. Like yeah. 6.30 to 9.30 or 6.30 to 12. That was our day. Then like then as things got started getting out of hand, then came the processes, then, then came the systems because we realized how much ever we do, even if we work 24 hours, we're not mm. going to be able to pull it off. Then like we had to figure out how to hire people, how to hire the right people. So that took a couple of iterations. We hired a couple of people, had yeah. to fire them. Yeah. That always happens. Yeah. We learned from that. Like that, we lost a lot of time because of that. Mm. Same, came back onto us to get the job done. Then building those systems and processes in to make sure <clears throat> when you hire a person, training them, in, in my opinion, training a salesperson is the most important thing to make sure they are successful. So getting that sales training process figured out, scaling the systems and process. What I mean by that is like writing it down, making sure everyone follows it, making sure it is like I can do it and 15 other people on the team can do it and get similar results. Yeah, That was a big thing. Once we got there, it was like about four or five months into the, into the scale. And then we were like at 400, 500K a month. From there, it was more about optimization after that because the market kind of had like had started plateauing out. So we like the hyper growth or hockey stick part was more or less done. And we had to make sure we keep growing. Then came the optimization. So diving deep into the sales funnel, into the customer journey on the, on the website, on the product, in the sales team, how everything happened. Where do you optimize small amounts increasing like one conversion by 2%, 3%, 1.5%. How do you do that? How do you like leverage those small things but on the bottom line or to- sorry, on the top line, it gives a big impact. And like next two, three months was about that, where we scaled those things up, like 
fixed the funnel more or less to bring in more people and then like towards the last part where i let go of sales and moved into strategy then we were focusing on growing our growth experiments which is more or less like writing down some thesis every week and testing mm-hmm. out two to three different thesis to make sure we can generate more revenue channels for the business so that's like that was kind of the process that we went through for those 9 10 months that uh, the the time frame uh, is the whole story is impressive but the time frame is legendary thank you that's why like again it's honestly i don't think it was necessary my skill i i wouldn't say it was wasn't my skill i wouldn't say it had too much to do with me because the market was doing that the market was moving at that pace the only skill or only credit i can take is being flexible enough to adjust and make sure the business grows with the market because if we didn't do it there were definitely competitors out there who would have taken that money from customers because customers were there to pay so that again luck always plays a part in business but all we did was we were ready and flexible enough and we pivoted to make sure we can grow it with the market what was the what was the most enjoyable part of of that journey honestly ownership yeah for me because see i i'm the kind of person who i don't necessarily need to be in control but i prefer to have ownership on my deliverables and i like to have freedom it's i don't ask people to give me freedom day one i'll prove myself to you as a business owner if i'm like if i'm doing a job at your at your company but once i've proven myself once i've started giving you results i need you to give me that ownership and in this company again i <laughs> as it happened that we didn't have enough people the ceo didn't have time to micromanage which was the best thing for me because i got the whole ownership of the sales team building it up recruiting firing all of that was mine and by virtue of that i could experiment i could let my like uh, thought process go wild do things which might not have been possible mm-hmm. and literally it was like the way i see it i was learning for first seven and half eight years of my career and everything that i had learned during that time i was just implementing it execute 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 on whatever i had learned over the earlier parts of my career and that was the most exciting part of building it up do you think uh, i think you just you just sort of touched on it how large a role do you think speed in the execution played a factor <clears throat> i think 85 to 90% of the results were because of the speed i'm i'm a firm believer in speed because again i come from a business or like a startup background where speed is everything because mm-hmm. it's like the biggest challenge with most startups is a lot happens here and like here as in like for the listeners a lot happens in the mind mm-hmm. but very little happens on the ground i'm i don't like that at all i prefer like you ideate for a week mm-hmm. go test it out for two months after that and with that two month execution you like every week you do something different to test out one part of your thesis so that's the speed i would say i like to work at and what we achieved 85 to 90% of that i would say attributed to the speed at which we were able to move that's brilliant um i've got so many questions just just in that journey alone ashwin um talk to me about uh, i'm i'm really intrigued um about the sales process specifically mm-hmm. um and i guess 
what it what it takes to build a sales team. Um, I guess speaking to a sales process, how did that sort of work out for yourself? So I think it uh, for me, <clears throat> I'm I'm intuitively human. So what I mean by that is, it's like a lot of times when we talk to salespeople, they don't seem human. They seem very robotic. They have a script and they follow it. You ask them something out of the out of the script, they're like, "Oh no, this is how we do it." Yeah, I'm not that guy. I'm a conversational person, and I'm very intuitive about how the other person is feeling. Like I can read their emotions from their facial expressions, from their hand movement, things like that. Mm-hmm. So that has been like key for my success, but that cannot be replicated for everyone. So, but I realized that early, and what we did was we figured out. Uh, so the process, the way we developed it was figured out a set of questions to understand not just customers' goals, but where they're coming from, what are their emotional needs. So figuring the customer out as a human being and as a business, those were two parts of the initial like 15 minutes, let's say it's a one-hour call. Mm-hmm. The initial 15 minutes was focused on the customer to get them, get to know them and connecting with them on a human level rather than a business level. That is first part of building the sales process out. Secondly, it was making sure that the, the person who is doing the sales, they understand the product in and out completely mm. because the product might have 20 features. The customer doesn't need all 20 and you don't need to sell them all 20. You yeah. have to make sure you give them only the things which they need because there is going to be a lot of information overload. If you, if you like dump all 20 on them. Yeah. So it was like, Understanding the product, understanding the use cases of different features of the product, making sure you fit it into them. That was the second part. So product training was a very key part of the sales process. And finally, the biggest biggest piece, which I think most sales teams don't do out there is shadowing and reverse shadowing. So I had been like, by the time we hired our first people, I had done it for like four or five months. Mm -hmm. I knew everything. Like you wake me up and ask me to do a sales call middle of the night, I could do it. I was at that stage. So making sure that they attend four or five of my calls, how I do it. Then after every call, I would question them. What did they learn? Why do they think I did something like this? Why was it different from the last one? So like making them think about the process, that was the shadowing part. Reverse shadowing was same thing. They would lead the sales call with the client. I would be sitting there. I would be observing them to make sure they're doing it the right way. This is like uh, the whole, more or less whole process that we were doing. Mm -hmm. I know it was a bit cumbersome. It took probably a month to train someone up, but it worked. Like the people who, who I trained using this process, they're still the best salespeople in the company. And I've left, like I left sales in October, 2020. And like I'm left the company in like August of 2021. And still they are the best salespeople in the team. I just want to point something out quickly too. Um, you sort of glossed over it saying that, uh, you know, in four or five months, you, you sort of knew everything. And I, I know that to some people that's a short time frame, but it's worth pointing out that that was four or five months of essentially fitting in two days work in one. What most people's seven to eight hours, you were doing that in, you're doing two of those in one day. So you're talking almost a year's worth in such a compressed time um doing the same thing day in day out so the repetition and just putting in the reps that's that's where your skill set 
and probably why your skill set um, it just exploded at such a huge pace. Um, okay, so with with that with that scaling process, Ashwin, is there anything that that sort of sticks out that was a bit of a surprise? We, we maybe something unexpected uh, that that worked, maybe benefited, mate. Well, maybe you went to implement something that perhaps didn't go to plan, but is, is there anything uh, that sort of stands out in that process that was, that came to as a bit of a surprise? So I think the biggest surprise that came to me, I think we already touched upon it. It was the training part mm. because I'm a very, as I said, I'm a very intuitive salesman and I hadn't trained salespeople before. I'd like, I'd manage teams and stuff, but I didn't have to necessarily train a sales team. And like, when you are intuitively good about something as a human, you assume everyone is good at that. Yeah. So that's what I thought that, okay, if someone is a salesperson, they would be by default good at it. They are salespeople. I, I understand you. So everyone would understand their customer. But once I started working with people, I realized, oh no, this is not something which everyone is good at. I am not the norm. I am an exception to the norm. Mm-hmm. So then taking that approach and pivoting it to, making sure like the next people I hire, I'm trained them properly and making sure that the people who are already there, how do we reskill them or make sure they fit into the mold of the sales process. That was kind of a surprise that came to me and that was a big learning as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So how important do you think, uh, uh, I guess, the systems and processes uh, when it comes to scaling a business? See, without a system or a process, you won't be able to scale. That's it's it's that important. It's like it's one of the most crucial parts because when the company is like ten or twenty people or even thirty people big, you and two or three other people are going to work on some something, and you can like have a look at what they're doing. You can make sure, basically, you can micromanage them if needed. But when you're scaling it up, when the team, your own team is 10 people big and the company is 50 people big, you can't keep a watch on everyone as a head of a department or a manager, simply because you don't have the time. You have your own deliverables and you have to get things done by the team. And without a consistent process, the customer is not going to get the exact same service. Mm-hmm. And if you are a business that is scaling, that wants to scale, you have to make sure customers get the best possible service. And they get it every time. It's not like if Ashwin is doing it, you'll get it. And if like if Nathan is doing it, you won't get it. It doesn't work that way if you have to scale a company. So, and the, the simplest way of doing it is you write it down. You make sure you record a bunch of videos. Like that is the way I used to train my team. I wrote a like probably like 2000 word document. Mm. And after that, I recorded a 20 minute video explaining my thought process, why I wrote it. Because sometimes just reading might not make sense. So you put in that video on top of the written process so that people get the gist. And then you do a like session with the team to make sure they have understood what has to be done. So that's like, I think without the processes and systems, it's more or less impossible to scale a business. I love the idea uh, you just put forward of having, having that video to explain the why behind it and, and almost sort of speaking to the process and, and, and the benefits of it. Um, it sounds like that was really well received as well. Yep. Uh, it's basically, again, so uh, I come come at stuff. I'm a very like uh, first principles thinker. Mm-hmm. So I come at every problem from a why perspective. Like I try to go to the fundamentals of it. 
and while trying to figure out the fundamentals of why people don't follow processes is they don't see sense in the process it's like if something doesn't make sense to you as a human being you're not going to do it so i figured that part out and that's where the why came in that okay we're doing this process but this plays this role in the big picture business and this is why you need to do it because mm-hmm. if you don't do it then this is how it impacts the business badly and indirectly it's going to impact you you badly because if the business doesn't live you don't have a job tomorrow mm. so it's like figuring that human part of the process out that helped me figure out like build this why into the process itself i love that uh, i love the tying it back to the the bigger picture as well i think it's um it's definitely uh, definitely so much value there that uh, i think more businesses and companies could definitely be doing anyway yep think so too so Ashwin, let's um let's let's take it back a little bit further. Uh, I'd mm-hmm. like to to hear a bit about your own journey, uh, where it all sort of kicked off for yourself, and I guess where where you learnt your skills. Oh, so you want to look at the good old grind days of my life? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I am an engineer by education as such. I've never worked in engineering. I've never liked it. I'm a mechanical engineer. but that's what my degree says so i'm an engineer that way so you've never worked as an engineer but that's your uh, that's still degree that's yeah. brilliant so i again i realized like during my first year of undergrad itself i realized this is not my cup of tea and mm-hmm. i started exploring building businesses so that's where my like my journey is 10 years long because i started my first business at like 17 and a half roughly 18 years so i was barely an adult by the time i started working I started building stuff. It was uh, it was like a Tinder before Tinder existed in the country. This is back in 2012 mm-hmm. when I built this out. It it went pretty well for a few months, and then I was like a 17 year kid trying to manage like 25 year old engineers, and they thought I'm just I'm just a small kid, and they just left. So that didn't work out that way. Then I did another startup after that, which was into education. Wanted to help people. choose the right career so it is focused on psychometrics so how, what are your inbuilt or inborn skills what are your interests and what are your actual built skills like inborn and developed skills so mm. it was these three parts inborn skills developed skills and interest took those three together and built a process to help people decide their career choices that yeah. went very well uh unfortunately that was a very capital intensive business we were burning a lot of money mm. like first few iterations and the pilot and stuff we put our own money as students but you don't have too much money as a student after that we had to raise funding we as the team like the founding team like three of us we couldn't agree on the dilution and eventually we had to let let it go because we didn't have the money to build it up mm makes sense and that's where i like that's where the learning came that if a business doesn't make money from day one if it is not uh, sustainable it doesn't matter whatever how much ever big problem you solve eventually it it will like unless you are a market mover or you are first in the market unless that is the case you are probably going to shut down without vc funding so that was a big learning there mm-hmm. after that it was a it was a more of a gig startup where we were putting advertisements on daily use student goods like notebooks writing by stationery pads pens to reduce prices where we were making money the advertiser was making money and students were getting stuff for cheaper 
and good quality that worked out for a while and then my engineering ended so i had a huge student loan to pay and <laughs> then my dad gave me a gave me a choice to see either make this much money from your business so that you can pay your student loan i'm not going to pay it or rather he didn't say i'm not going to pay it he was like we can't afford to pay it because my brother was also getting educated so it was like dude see do you want to do this business and take your brother out of school i'm like obviously not so yeah. then it was a choice between that and continuing the business and obviously it was like a no brainer to take up a job i worked in the amazon of india back then it is it is called flipkart it was the biggest uh, retailer like e retailer of the country is managing their jewelry category for about a year it was like it is a majorly bd role uh, sales bd role where i was responsible for the pnl of the category bringing in new sellers managing the existing sellers growing the revenues of the category all of that and i left that in about a year's time majorly because i couldn't go along with the politics of the system like yeah. any 10000 people company you have to make sure your boss is happy boss's boss is happy the friend of the boss is happy the friend of the boss's boss is happy all of that and i i unfortunately couldn't do it let's so let's unpack on. that mate cuz uh, i think i'm similar to yourself i had um uh a gentleman uh, who became a friend i haven't i'm speaking with many more but um uh i guess he pointed out that he was my first mentor uh, at the time and he was the ceo of the company um and we got along well had you know great really transparent sort of conversations and he said to me once you've got to learn to uh you've got to learn to play politics and my argument was i disagree <laughs> i said surely my results should speak for themselves and and politics shouldn't come into it this this isn't how i was raised it's uncomfortable for me i don't like it i just want to be me uh and yep. as long as uh, my results are there that should be the end of it uh and he um he carefully pointed out and asked the question of if uh if i believed that he found joy in conversing with other people at at work um and i sort of looked at him a little bit surprised and and he informed me he didn't <laughs> he said but as in his role that's his job and he yep. said if you if you're he goes you really need to learn um how to do politics better uh, i'm happy to say that today i still can't do it very well <laughs> so that's still a learning curve of myself but um it sounds like we're on the same page same page with that one ashwin i i agree dude see my thought process is you would do the politics it's like so if it makes sense to achieve a bigger goal in life then you by default will learn a skill it's it's like the survival instinct that i need to get to this end goal and if i have to learn politics to do it you would do it mm. but the thing is for him probably he is in that role where he has to do it yeah. for us we have more options like for example i didn't like it so i just moved on like the director like baby two levels up from me there was a director who didn't like my approach and she's like you will never get a job in this country i'm like dude all the best i'll find jobs in other countries yeah yeah it's it's <laughs> that right because when you as you said right when you have that skill set when you can deliver results there mm. is a ton of people there are 7.2 billion people in the world yeah there is always someone who is going to value that skill it's just going through that grind to find and reach that person and then once you reach there you make the most out of it mm makes sense 
again i i can do politics i know i can i've done it but it's like it's an extreme dire situation like my last company eventually yeah. once we grew to 150 people i had to do it because mm. i had built it and it was kind of my baby so i had to make sure i kept everyone happy but yeah. eventually it it just tires you out and i i left the company because i didn't align with that anymore it's, think, it's just that yeah and look there's there's definitely some value there right i think it just comes down to a bit of empathy uh but the the troublesome area and i think why it's got such a negative stigma with me is because i've seen people that are just not themselves mm. and in my head if playing politics means not being yourself and not you know it's a buzzword authentic isn't it but if it means not being yourself then uh it's it's just not for me and that doesn't mean that uh i expect that i can parade myself around and be an asshole that's not the case at all um <laughs> You genuinely be a nice person and whatever else but if it means having to change me then i'm i'm not for that um yep. so look I'm, I'm sure i've got that all sorts of wrong uh, but that's just a little part of it that i've sort of seen other people completely change who they are and it's just not a good look honestly i'll i'll, I'll just but, um, so i'll talk us through so you. you're at sorry man sorry go on sorry go on go on no no you're right man i cut you off so uh, i was saying I agree with you 100% there the way I see it is it's like there has to be a reason so for me like I'm I'm a very goals oriented person there has to be a reason to do something if the let's say for example like my my personal life I had to change the way I am a little bit to make sure I get married to the woman I loved because her parents come from the army background I'm like a startup dude who's not like doesn't have like a stable income every time so you have to sometimes make those changes happen in life but it has to have the worthy reason like the trade off has to be worth it mm. it's like like in my case the trade off was spending the whole of my life with the person i loved and like changing my personality for a few hours or a few days that mm. trade off seemed worth it so it's it's that in my head yeah no that makes sense so you've so you've left uh, so you've left this job where, yep. where does that take you next so it takes me to a, so what i thought was then my thought process was okay maybe the maybe i can still work in a big company which is like well funded and stuff but maybe the size of the company is the issue so i thought i'll move into a smaller company so like from a 10000 people company i moved into like a 200 300 people company who was like very small it was barely series a company they had good funding they had like great founders the the company still doing amazing and like i joined them i was part of building stuff again it this was like they were setting up a new city it was a city based operations so they were setting up a new city i was leading a few categories wherein basically the process was that you go out you talk to vendors find vendors first talk mm. to them qualify them bring them on board the platform and then customers come to the platform take the services of the vendors and you kind of like make sure they deliver their services properly so that was that was kind of the process that i was doing i launched like a few categories like four categories for them and eventually i realized that the problem that existed in the first company still exists in the second company just the scale of it is smaller so if the company becomes smaller it's just the scale problem it's like if probably you have to do 10 hours of politics there here you have to do like 2 hours or 3 hours but it's still the same process same thing make your boss happy boss is boss happy blah 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 So I was like, 
nah, dude, it's I know I work well in startups, so let's go there. Luckily, I had some money saved to to pay off my loans for like a uh, year, year and a half. So I moved into a marketing tech company, very small. It was like four people team. I was the fourth guy on the team. So mm. a ton of ownership. I was building stuff with them, researching. That is one of my key pivotal roles, I would say, where I learned a lot about how businesses are built or rather might, how businesses can fail, even though they have like great team, great founders and great uh, understanding of the market. So the team was led by a developer uh, and we were, we were building out a marketing tech platform for mom and pop retailers mm. who were probably basically again, everything, all omni-channel strategy would be done through our platform. Anything online, anything, social media, SEO website, all of that would be done directly from our platform. Yeah. That, uh, that did, uh, we, I worked on that for about a year and it kind of worked a little bit. We had a few clients, but we couldn't scale it completely. And eventually I ran out of money. Yeah. So had to, had to go back to, to a job, but I was, I didn't want to stay in the same industry. I just wanted to explore some other stuff. So I moved into something called as neuro-linguistic programming, which is like a, Interesting. Cool. it's a sub branch or like complementary branch of psychology, which focuses on connection between conscious and unconscious mind. How, how closely do those two work together? How it affects daily life, things like that. I've been always excited about psychology. So this was kind of my way of getting into it. Yeah. So I started working with a company and managing their marketing sales. I had that passed. So it was, it was that. And it was more of a barter deal wherein they were paying me a minimal amount to make sure my I could pay my loans and survive. Mm-hmm. But it was more like, it wasn't the market rate. They were paying me much lesser. Mm-hmm. And instead of paying, they were teaching me. They, they, it was a training company. So I was taking their courses for free, which was on paper. It was a great deal because the courses costed a lot. So that's I really smart. With, that's like, um, I'm a... Uh, that got me excited because it goes against the grain. You'd speak to a lot of people. Uh, it's a huge assumption. And I think a, um, a lot of people may challenge you on that and point to your market worth and, and valuing your time. And, and look, there's definitely some, um, there's definitely some validity to that argument in some cases, but if you can leverage and, and it goes back to bartering, like this world, literally thrived on bartering not too long ago uh so that's that's uh so you were happy with that arrangement it sounds like they were happy with that arrangement yep um what what did you what was some really keen takeaways that that i guess that you had from uh their nlp courses so i think my my keen takeaways was understanding of people so Mm. it's like it's like if you frame a question or if you frame a certain sentence in a certain way, what happens inside the mind? So it's like, it kind of gave me an understanding of like putting two and two together and making five out of it. Mm. Not everyone can do that, but it's like the, the fist is stronger than the fingers. It it is kind of that because intuitively I was always good at understanding people, but this gave me a framework, a skill set to actually put that in action. Like, for example, when my wife is sad or my brother is not happy, I knew always, like I could feel they were not happy, but I didn't know how to ask them the right questions to get to the depth of it and probably help them out. And I also couldn't, didn't know, like, 
when to push and when to stop like sometimes yeah. you have to stop when someone is unhappy or they're sad yeah so those things those might not be like big skills in terms of uh, the world sees it but for me they have been very critical in my success because when my ceo like when the ceo of my company is not in the right mindset i can't ask him to double my salary because that's not going to happen <laughs> yeah but when he is when i've just delivered a 60000 client and there are two other companies out there asking me to join them and offering me double the money mm. i that is the moment i can ask him to do that because i've worked for far lesser in the last year and a half so that intuitive understanding i think a big part of that came like basically building it into a structure came from this nlp courses do you think um because because i i'm very very interested in uh in neurolinguistic programming i'm pretty keen to do a course myself i haven't yet done a little bit of light reading just sort of almost scratched the surface because there's so much to unpack but do you think there is a uh, much value or much crossover even uh between nlp and uh i guess sales see i think it depends but i do think there is it's just that a lot of the things that they teach in an nlp course mm. a lot of it is very theoretical and you have to practice it a lot yeah it's okay. probably like 6 8 10 months of continuous practice to bring it into your day to day life luckily for me i my job included that that's why it came into me cuz i had to go to all the courses that were happening across the country i was traveling i was doing that so i attended a bunch of courses and that process where a person who is not in the field they have to do multiple courses over the like same course multiple times over a period of 6 8 10 months that happened to be during my job and mm. that came into me like basically as a muscle that was built in my mind so it's like that reps we spoke about for sales yeah. that reps have to come in for here and once those reps come in then it is extremely extremely beneficial like building that rapport like i don't have to like probably when someone is going on a let's say you're going on a big client sales call a person typically would spend 45 minutes to 1 hour to go in depth of the business the person you're talking to and things like that mm. i typically need like 10 or 12 minutes 15 max because in my browsing of the website browsing of their socials i can pick up three four points just like that and build conversations on top so building that rapport it's mm. very easy for me and that comes a big part of it comes from the nlp training i had taken so it kind of big picture it pays off but it's not an immediate result kind of a thing yeah makes sense all right so you're so you're at the uh, you're at the the training course um it's going pretty well for you what what happens next so what happens next is uh it was a friend's company and that was another learning for me that it's <laughs> not a good idea to work with friends because yeah. if something doesn't go well on a personal level between you two or either or like personal level doesn't go well business screws up you know business level it doesn't go well for the friendship screws up so the fr- it, friends dad's company technically he wasn't one of the owners then so it was like he and me we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff and he was giving me some advice on my personal life which i def- like vehemently disagreed on and he kept pushing at it and it kind of then it basically that is that started the breaking process mm. and then like once it starts like something or the other keeps triggering it so the cracks kept getting wider and wider and eventually is like guys let's part ways let's try to be friends again but again his 
his dad didn't like that and then after that i haven't spoken to them even though i give them a lot of credit for where i am they don't know that yet because yeah. they haven't spoken to me in like last five four five years or whatever that's a shame that's a real shame after that i wanted to explore another industry <laughs> so i had always thought i had always been like very what would you say enchanted by teaching i always wanted to teach so what i did was i'm i'm pretty good at physics i used to be and i still am so i wanted to teach physics to young kids so there was again it was another barter transaction wherein uh, there was a coaching institute in my hometown and they were setting up a new business new city business so they're like you have the business skills required i'm like yes i can help you set it up but with money i need like this 20% or 15% of my time i want to teach physics they are like if you can learn it and teach it well students understand you can do it so it was like it was like i was helping them build the business they paying me for that part but i was learning teaching on the job because i wanted to do it and experience it so did that that went really well my sales skills was very useful in there built up the business properly and then in about 8 10 months i realized okay it takes way too much patience to teach young kids <laughs> like 12 to 16 year olds yeah and it is just way too much on my mental health i was like it is just too much stress because i i mm. basically i didn't have the patience to teach them cool so i took i bowed out i told them guys you can like i have set it up in a way that probably you guys can take over and then i moved out from there because i couldn't teach and the whole point of this was even though i was making very good money and stuff the whole point of this gig was specially to to get into teaching which wasn't being met so the goal wasn't being met so i moved on from there awesome and so what's uh, i i want to i want to keep going on this but i want to come back and um, mm-hmm. um i guess explore the idea of mental health because it's uh it's such an important huge area that's probably um i guess receiving the attention that it probably should have for for some time but i think it's finally getting its uh, its moment in the yep. sun um ashwin why not we're here now let's let's un- unpack that so um oh. as i said mental health it's it's touched uh everyone probably in more ways than people realize um yep. and i'm sure most people have known someone that it's uh, impacted um uh quite dramatically um to for, you know in, in whatever effect but um we had half a chat i guess before the show ashwin so yep. do you want to um i guess spend a bit of time speaking about mental health and and i guess the importance of it and and maybe a bit about your experience yeah we can do that i think let's start off when i realized the importance of it there are, there are multiple places where i realized mm. and there is one trigger point which actually led me to start taking action mm. so one of the trigger points which made me start like basically where i started thinking about mental health was uh, my wife so my yeah. current wife rather my not current not the right word to use uh, <laughs> my wife like she's my wife when she was my girlfriend she she's a psychologist so yeah. and she she was doing a phd in psychology so that was the first time when i actually came to know about mental health and mental wellness and then i started exploring what triggered me into getting into proper mental health care for myself was the same experience we started the podcast with which was the remo experience 
when mm. i was scaling a business up it was 15 16 hours a day and i was very drained and i was it was taking a huge toll on my mental health like when i am when i'm not in good mental space i have this very bad very painful headaches and i used to have them like almost every other day so that was the point where i started talking to her like i start found a therapist and started talking to her and eventually over the course of next few months i got much better and like got the headache issue under control and eventually i burnt out because of because of the same amount of work and my therapist helped me out with that with the burnout as well and a few things again so it's like as human beings we do so much stuff in our mind and we don't know about it mm. it's like one of the couple of the reasons why my i was having headaches at the age of 26 mm. were some things which had happened like 12 15 years in my past wow so this is like these are some of the things which i don't typically like talk about too much again wherever relevant i do talk so it's like i was sexually abused as a kid as like i was i was like probably 10 11 years old and a elder like cousin brother of mine said sexually abused me and back then i did not know it was not right and yeah. i never spoke to anyone but it did leave a scar on me and it was affecting me a lot throughout like 15 16 years of my life after that i never knew cool. and once i started talking to my therapist we uncovered that as one of the core reasons why i i have my headaches yeah that was one thing another yeah. one was ashwin that's uh Yeah, unreal. Thank you very much. I'm sure a lot of a uh, lot of our viewers get a lot of value from that, mate. So thank you for uh, for being brave and, and bringing that forward. So honestly, it's like if anyone is facing any mental health issues and needs a ear, because I know how beneficial it is to just say it out to someone. Mm-hmm. My my like my DMs are always open. Anyone can send me a DM on LinkedIn, and we can connect and just chat about it. I always have that because. i myself have been through that i know how tough it is and i also know the other side of the coin that once you start talking about it it eventually becomes easier yeah so my dms are always going to be open to whoever needs that help we'll put um we'll put your linkedin uh, in the show notes as well ashton is very kind um so okay. when you uh, can you share a little bit about your experience with with the idea of, of burnout um because it may look so before different. that i would i would like to add one oh, more thing because this was one part of the bigger reason what mm. was happening second reason or second mental health issue i faced was a few years after this which was in my like when i was 15 so i went into a very deep depression mm-hmm. and i it was it was i was at a place where i like living didn't make sense to me well, so yeah. i tried to take my own life back then it luckily it didn't work out and that i that is one of the most pivotal points of my life because it's like it just my thought process changed and i'm like dude i haven't died even though i attempted and that means i'm meant to do something bigger in life i'm meant to help other people impact the world and then then that changed but this depression was another thing which kind of was taking its toll on me till like till 2 years ago i think it still has some control over me i'm still working through those issues but that was another thing which i came across during this uh during this mental health uh, explorations with my therapist so those are like two of the pivotal things in the past which are just bottled up somewhere in in my mind and which kept affecting me for like 15 years after they happened 
understandable. What are um, depression is such a such a ferocious beast, and 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 we still don't really have a full grasp um, over the entire context. As far what are what are some I guess what are some tools that that you sort of leverage to to help you uh, I guess work through depression uh, and I guess have it become a bit more manageable and, and to your point, get through to the other side? So for me, back in the day, I just found... So one concept which I always tell people is mm. it's better to run towards something rather than running away from something. Because when you're running away, you always look back and mm. see what you're running away from. So it's always there in your mind. For me, luckily, I had a big, hairy, audacious goal back then which helped me move on because it's like, as I said, I could, I didn't die. I wanted to, I attempted to, but I didn't. So that, that just gave me the power to, okay, let's look forward. What can mm-hmm. I do? I set up a huge goal, which seemed impossible at the time. And I just started working towards it and worked my ass off. Sorry. I, no. I worked very hard. To we can say ass, mate. The- we can say shit, whatever you like. Go nuts. So I, I worked my ass off. And got mm. to that goal. So that was one thing. And after that, having people to talk to about it, because after that, in like four or five, I never spoke about it. In like in like Western countries, probably in Australia, it's not that taboo to mm. talk about mental health. But in India, it's still a big taboo. Yeah. It's like, and this is like very like this is like 10 years ago. So mm. I did not talk to anyone about it. And that's where my wife, uh, as I said earlier, that was a pivotal point in my life because she being a psychologist, she studying it, she doing her research in it, that kind of helped me open up to her. And once I opened up to her, I realized, okay, just talking about it helps you process it. Like naming the feelings. These are like typical textbook stuff that name the feeling, write about it, talk about it. But that genuinely helped me during those times. That's unreal. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, uh, I feel very grateful that, that uh, you shared that with us, Ashwin. So I want to thank you again. Um, I guess if, uh, what, what, what sort of words of advice could you give, um, I guess, people that, that may be struggling with depression at the moment? Honestly, I think one, one thing which most of us struggle with is we think we have to be strong for ourselves mm. and what being strong for ourselves means, at least that is what is taught in schools yeah. and stuff that being strong means figuring it out yourself, doing it by yourself. Don't ask for anyone's help. And my opinion and my experiences being strong actually means asking for help. It could mm. be a friend. It could be a therapist. It could be your spouse or your partner, but just asking for help that is the biggest piece of advice i could give to anyone who's struggling with these issues because if nothing else they will give you strength to go with it no like people who are close to you and who understand they're not going to like vilify your problem they're not going mm-hmm. to say it's a taboo or they're not going to probably like just put you down for because you are going through a problem yeah yeah um and uh just going back to the, the idea of burnout, Ashwin, I think um, especially in, in today's world and, and uh, 
Look, I, I've probably struggled with struggled with it a little bit uh, myself of late. I'm trying to fit everything in, you know, yep. um, working full time, not quite the 6.30 a.m. till 9.30 p.m. at one job like yourself, Ashwin. Um, but, you know, then then I've got the podcast and crypto and looking at other projects. Uh, so yep. it's, it's actually a, it's actually a current conversation uh, with with my wife, who who I'm very grateful clearly cares for me deeply or she wouldn't be trying to have these conversations. I say trying a little bit flippantly because, um, uh, look, I, I, I'm probably, I probably have dismissed a few of her attempts to, uh, to open that um, line of conversation. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd like to, uh, I guess, learn a little bit more from yourself as far as what your experience uh, with burnout was and perhaps some of the warning signs and what, what you sort of found helped yourself. So I think let's start with the warning signs because most people don't even realize they have burnt out, mm. even though they might have read about it. It just doesn't click sometimes. So I think there are a few warning signs. One of the biggest ones I think is you are not yourself with your loved ones because that mm. is the place where you're typically the most you, where there are the least amount of filters or least amount of masks you wear. But mm. when you like on small things, you flip out. Like, for example, when I was like going through burnout, like me and my wife, we had ordered ice cream and she took a bite of the ice cream before me. It took like two seconds. Literally, it took like two or two and a half seconds. And I flipped out. Why didn't you give it to me? I wanted it. And I shouted on her. So it's like, that's not me. But because there were so many emotions, like just bottled up, they were just coming out anywhere and everywhere. So mm. like, that is like the one of the biggest signs I've seen, which is like you not being yourself with your loved ones. Another one which I've seen is just getting tired too early. It's like mm. you normally can do something, but let's say you can read for an hour, but you you read for 25 minutes, 30 minutes and you get tired. You're, or you constantly feel mentally tired, physically tired. These are like some of the, like when you're in later stages of burnout, that's kind of the... Uh, symptoms, I would say, are like identifiers for burnout. Mm. And what helped? I think the first thing which is the most difficult for people in today's world is taking a break because it is also looked down upon because it's like in the crypto world, if you are not always on, you lose out on money. Mm. It's okay. My, I have to live to make money or any money I make is useless if I die. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Yeah. So taking that break, giving yourself that time to recover, everyone needs different amount of time to recover. So at least taking like two weeks off, off of everything, just relaxing, letting your mind decompress. That is one thing. And if that is not possible, then at least putting those boundaries in. Like, for example, one of the biggest things that helped me recover from my burnout was meditation. Mm. So I started meditating. Uh, I was always made sure I meditated 20 to 30 minutes a day, like five to seven days a week. That was be that would be like my my routine or my part of the routine. Setting up routines helps. Like I had a set process in the morning. Like don't see the phone, do this step one, two, three, four, five, six, and it just puts your mind into a good state of mind. You have to train yourself for a, for some time, but it helps. Then. Mm-hmm like not getting your phone to the dinner table, not getting your phone on the bed, those boundaries. Like even if you get an email at nine o'clock in the evening, 
not responding to it how much ever urgent it is if your boss calls maybe pick it up or may not be but setting those boundaries is important mm-hmm. because your mind needs that rest so those are those are the things which help me and typically like now because i've been through it a couple of times uh i can i can identify the signs for myself so right now what i do is i just take a couple of days of solo time like my last one was right before i left my last job mm-hmm. because i i was kind of burning out again so i realized i needed to take time and then the retreat or like solo retreat helped me figure out i needed to leave and i did the one after that was like literally last last weekend mm-hmm. where i went out for two days and again same thing was happening to me i was doing way too much stuff with crypto and consulting i like my task list had like 20 items on it which i was working on daily mm-hmm. so i just prioritized it like removed some of the things which i didn't need to do and then that just gave space to my mind and i could breathe yeah that boundaries and taking that time off that helps a lot the two questions that um i have is uh i'd love to learn more about um your meditation rituals is the first thing and then also um i can't remember the term you used ashwin but um your uh, uh was it was it your solo time or time by yourself solo retreat i use yes brilliant love that yep. solo retreat i haven't heard that phrase before I, i'm a big fan of that already um so yeah i guess going back to your uh, meditation uh rituals ashwin meditation um for me seems to to come in and out of uh fashion a little bit for me personally i um i've i i watched a gentleman on youtube called andrew huberman mm-hmm. um he's brilliant he's a, a neurologist and an ophthalmologist i'm sure i pronounced that wrong but um he uh he points to yoga nidra have you mm-hmm. heard of that yep okay brilliant um so i'm only going off what he sort of said so i'm very very new to that sort of space but uh sort of 10 minutes before uh sleep i would put on some yoga nidra on youtube um mm. for those following at home it's it's uh it's very similar to guided meditation i guess but going through um becoming conscious of different parts of the body and making sure yep. that your different parts of the body are fully relaxed and working through the yep. body um and that's brilliant whenever i've done that consistently and uh, my sleep is is sensational um yeah. so i i used to uh try and do that 10 minutes um bef- you know before bed uh, and then i'd i'd look to bring in another 10 minute session during the day uh, again just guided meditation um seemed to work better for myself um whenever i tried meditation i, I just couldn't control my inner chatter so i uh, guided yeah. meditation definitely worked better so um what what's your sort of i guess routine and relationship with with meditation and and maybe speak to some of the benefits that you found for yourself personally i think my routine is very similar to yours so i think again i i i made as i said my meditation started right after i burnt out so and i had a very good cpo at my company who understood the importance of like mental health and stuff so i spoke to her she suggested me to use headspace and mm. i was very lucky that i found the exact fit for myself in my first go so i started using headspace then like headspace has this thing called as wake up where they have like 5 minute or 5 deep breaths right after you wake up and they have a short video of like 3 to 5 minutes 
which is either a meditation or it's a grounding experience basically you ground yourself in reality in the yeah, present yeah. moment so i do that almost every day after i wake up and then i do either 10 or 20 minutes of guided meditation every day like whenever like either after brushing like first 2 hours 2 to 3 hours of the day is what i try to do it in sometimes yeah. it happens midday it doesn't matter but whenever i feel like my mind is too too much running away in all the directions i do it so that it just comes down and comes back to the present and sleeping i think exact same thing there is a wake like headspace themselves they have a wind down every night i do a 10 minute wind down right before i go to sleep which is exactly same like you start from the toes come up to the head and you make sure every part of your body is relaxed and it basically goes to sleep so that's kind of my meditation routines the biggest benefits i've seen is i am more aware mm-hmm. of things it's like so this is something one of the among the questions you have you had sent it's like you had asked me that what is the one thing the world needs more of and this was my answer for that which is self awareness because most people know ton of stuff around them but they don't know themselves and that is i think what we need in the world a lot more that will make the world better business is better all of that and what i what i see is when i am i'm continuously meditating like currently i'm at like 24 days straight without missing awesome. so i i like to mention that that like that's kind of a i'm a data guy so this kind of helps me <laughs> keep track like yeah i'm doing something that's not <laughs> yeah so, yeah um uh, it's like it basically i'm more aware like suddenly when i'm not meditating regularly i from let's say i'm standing here my mind goes like 5 kilometers in that direction before i even realize it has gone mm-hmm. somewhere but when i'm regularly med- meditating probably within a kilometer i'll realize okay my mind is run away let's bring it back or if i want to let it go i can let it go but i that realization that i've moved on or moved away from what i'm doing and like mind has gone on autopilot that realization comes much faster when i'm regularly meditating and i think that is the key fundamental thing that happens which again which has a lot of benefits in different aspects of life mm. that is like the fundamental building block i would say that's brilliant that meditation helps me with um and and i'm i'm really keen to uh to learn a bit more about your solo retreat session yes so it's a it's a very i i don't have a process as such for it what i do is i just go out wherever i prefer places with nature mm-hmm. and not too many people so the way i behave i talk to a lot of people i like to talk to people so i might seem like an extrovert but typically that drains me off energy so by definitions of introversion and extroversion i am an introvert a lot so what happens is uh oh i think that was one of the two truths it was mine it just hit my and uh, uh, that's okay anyway so i i like to go to places where i can get that solo peace i don't want too many people so i don't go to like party places and stuff i typically go to a place where i can be left alone typically either the mountains or the i prefer the mountains depending on the weather i sometimes go to the beach and i just go there first day or so i just try to do nothing like that basically my retreat is all about not doing anything so first day i just biggest thing there in my retreat is not using tech too much mm. so if like if my average let's say uh, apple product usage on a daily basis is like 12 hours or 14 hours 
during the retreat it would probably be 3 or 4 hours because mm-hmm. i do get bored so i do see random videos and stuff mm-hmm. but i try to limit that a lot give my mind the space to breathe first day or two days how much ever time i need i let it just flow i let it unwind completely and typically like there is a place where i feel like okay i'm ready to work on something now and that is when my pen and paper comes out like my diary and my pen yeah. and i just start writing things down i write things down and eventually like write something take a break for a few hours another writing session and take another break a few hours then when i start writing i start thinking about stuff and eventually in a couple of days or one day whatever time i have available i figure out the core reason why i needed the retreat and how, what is the solution to that like for example the, the most recent retreat hmm. i just felt like i needed to go i didn't know why like my mind and my body knew i needed it but i it wasn't conscious so i just went there by the end of day 1 i realized okay i had too much on my plate and i couldn't think straight and i needed it by end of day 2 i had figured out what what was my priority and all the 20 things i was doing so that's kind of typically how i go about it and again it's like depending on the place if there is like tourist attractions and stuff i might go and do that if i want to distract myself and stuff so it's so it's just about um i guess predominantly just giving your mind a a rest giving your mind a break yep giving it a chance to to refresh itself yep. it's brilliant and the reason i do it solo is because it's like when you, it might be your loved one it might be your parent brother sister or spouse or a partner they even though they love you sometimes they are on on their own autopilot and they might interrupt your like relaxation so that's why i prefer to do it solo because no one would interrupt me unless i ask them to if you're living in a hotel it's like there is one room cleaning time you know that and after that no one is going to come to your room so you can mm-hmm. just sit there and lie on the bed for 8 hours and no one is going to disturb you so yeah. that's why i prefer that solo nature wherein that unwinding process happens completely and it's not interrupted do you uh do you read um yes yeah uh, in, uh, in your in your solo um retreats so uh yes typically i have either a few articles figured out which i want to read during that time or a book yeah so the recent most recent one i'm actually reading the book still i started it on the retreat it's called emotional agility written by author named susan david it's about like being emotionally agile in life so that was the book i was reading this time but depending on the context i do read it might be a book or a bunch of blogs yeah okay brilliant um i'll have to definitely look into that i know uh usually um probably once a year maybe i'll i'll typically go away with uh with my wife and usually she sort of requests that it's close to nature which i always enjoy a lot more than than i think that i will i'm always too busy and whatever else and we get there and i'm like this is brilliant we should have done this ages ago yeah <laughs> we again i i typically do like the solo retreat like once a six six so two to three quarters is the time frame i do it and with my wife once a year same mm. yeah okay i love that so so where were we on um uh, on your journey ashwin uh we i had just uh, realized i didn't want to teach kids perfect that yep yep excellent i didn't have the patience to do it <laughs> 
that's one of my areas of opportunity as well. <laughs> so uh, I did that. After that, I thought I might want to do an MBA. So mm. I prepared for GMAT for a couple of months and I gave the exam. And then it was like, after almost applying for places. So it was, it was an unfortunate incident that brought awareness to me that on the day of the exam, it got canceled. Like there was some problem at the GMAT center and the exam got canceled and I had to push it forward and it gave me another month. Like I didn't have a date available for one month. So it gave me another month. Yeah. And then I just started re- asking myself, why am I doing it? Why am I putting myself through it? And it didn't make sense anymore after that, because I had like, I was trying to do it to get a, get into like build a network because I had the skills needed to build a business. I probably know at least as much as MBAs, if not more. Mm-hmm. So it was more about the skill, uh, the network. Mm. And then I came to the realization it's not worth paying so much money and taking out another loan because it will put way too many shackles on me again. Been mm. through that once. The first one was necessary. The second one is not. So I decided not to not to go for an MBA, but I had paid the money for the exam. So I just went out and gave the GMAT. Scored <laughs> decently well. I could yeah. have gotten into a few colleges, but uh, then didn't go into a, into a, into college basically. Mm. And that was like that was the MBA part. Then then I moved into consulting. So started consulting with a few startups here and there. It was more or less part-time, full-time, like small gigs where I was exploring what I wanted to do next, similar to like current phase in life. And that was when my I went into a healthcare tech company, which was uh, doing B2B business. They had like a tech platform app stuff for, for companies. And I was like doing marketing with them. Mm. So it was a, it was a standard role. It was, it wasn't too big of a company. It was like 30 people team, 30, 40 people team. But I realized that the biggest thing which I realized was I can work in a company, which is like 50 people. I can manage that expectation. So same thing, which happened in the beginning of my career where I couldn't do it at all. I just was repulsed by the idea here. I saw that I had the capability to do it. It wasn't now a capability issue. It was more of a willingness issue that mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it, but if I needed to, I could. So that was my second last job. I would say officially after that, I like me and my wife, we, we decided to get married. So congratulations, Ashwin. thank you. So then like the biggest challenge there was she's a, she's an assistant professor in one of the biggest institutes in our country. And that, that institute is in a remote place. And like, I was making good enough money in a bigger city in like a tier one city. Mm. If I moved to that place, I couldn't find something that pays even half of what I was making. Yeah. So it was the logical choice then was to find a remote role. This is like June, July of 2019. Mm -hmm. And like, then I, I joined, like, then I started looking out for places started looking out for companies to apply to. And then that is when I found the company like Remo and the interview process there was very funny. So uh, typically like back then remote companies may used to make you do an assignment as part of like, even before you had an interview, you would do an assignment. So for me, they had given me like a marketing assignment of designing a web page and stuff. Mm. So I did the wireframe, sent it out. They had asked me to do a video. I sent that out as well. 
and like in six to eight hours after I sent out, I got a rejection. I was like, fine, no worries. And then I just, I was curious as to what happened. I asked them and they told me, okay, you, it didn't fit our criteria or standard HR answer. Mm. And what I noticed after that was my video that I'd sent to them, it had zero views. So I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I was pissed. Mm. So I found the, like the co-founder, the founder of the company, it was a solo founder company. I found him on all social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And I sent him a message saying, dude, see, you reject me. I don't mind. I've faced a ton of rejection in life, but give me a fair chance. I don't think this is where you, if you ask me to do an assignment, if I'm spending like 10 or 15 hours on an assignment for you, the least you can do is check it. Mm. Like just see it once and then reject me. I don't mind that, yeah. but don't do it this way. I'm, I'm very unhappy. And he kind of saw that on Twitter. He replied, he set up a call with me. And then I did a trial for a month with them. And then I joined them full time. That's brilliant. And then you helped them scale. Yeah, I helped them scale like 2020, 2021. I helped them. It's like 2020 part we covered. 2021, I I was like, after sales, I moved into strategy, worked on the 2021 strategy with the leadership team. So it's like the typical strategy stuff, like competitor analysis, very in-depth. Uh, SWOT analysis, then SAM, TAM, SOM analysis for them, like with the team. We build that out. We build the 2021 strategy for for the company. Then uh, I wanted to take on a big challenge. The biggest challenge in the company was churn. So I went out to solve that with the with the team. Took that up, like scaled it, like built processes around it, and brought it down from eight to I think four and five and a half or four and a half something like that. Customer churn, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Then, That's... then what? Then it was my last stint after that. So where we were launching a partnership program, it's very similar to the HubSpot model. Mm. We were kind of helped by HubSpot, so we we built it out, brought it out to the market, and then like uh, scaled it up to about 30, 35 people. So sorry, not people, agency partners, and that was kind of when I exited the company, and since then I've been full time into understanding and learning about web three and blockchain web three and blockchain i'm just trying to think before we dive into uh that beautiful world um i did have a question ashwin but it, it escaped me for now i'm sure it'll come to me later <laughs> yep. um, so uh how did you how did you happen upon the world of crypto and and web three so it started back in 2017 the the top of the 2017 cycle. Yeah. That's where again media was the place where I found about it. And I put put some money in and it started going down. And I'm like, ah, money lost. I didn't yep. remove it. I didn't mm-hmm. sell luckily. I, I just left. 2017, I just left. And then last year, 20, 2020. Sorry. Oh, one thing I missed in my last story, wherein I took a break from the company. I took a couple of months break. When I was burn, when I was burnt out, I had taken a couple of months break after, right after the churn project. So yeah. just remembered. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So, so when I was on that break last year, on the like on uh, from the company, that is when I like again got to know about this from friends. Like they were investing, so I thought, okay, fine, let's let's invest something, and I I. I, I think I, I invested right in March, right mm. before the next drop. 
and this time i didn't just leave i was like okay let's let's see what is happening why did this go down and then i i mentioned this earlier i am a very first principles thinker so mm. i'm like okay if i have to understand why this went down i have to go into the depth of blockchain understand the tech so that i can make sense of it so i started diving deep into the tech how blockchain works read the bitcoin white paper ethereum white paper a bunch of white papers and like started exploring that i was doing this part time along with my job and then once i left the job i kind of had realized that okay this is the core technology of blockchain is something which is going to stay because we have like after satoshi's white paper we have found a way to utilize it in real world even though it existed way before so i mm. really re- like i believed in that and then i went deep into it then over the last like 8 10 months i helped a few businesses build up and my major fo- focus during that time has been like understanding things better so i analyze projects myself like i have a framework built around it so it's more or less like a seed investment framework where i analyze problem solution team investors product mvp product market fit things like that mm-hmm. and then decide like if i want to invest in it or not but that is that is something which has helped me understand the businesses here how people build what people build and then uh, recently like over this study over doing this study for 8 months 8 10 months i realized okay it's i had thought of building a new skill set and probably becoming a trader in blockchain but over time i realized okay i don't need to do that my existing skill set of building businesses is probably the most beneficial thing for me in this space and that's when i like started consulting on projects and helping people build things out and my vision for the space i think we started off with that itself mm so that's where i'm going for now um so before we unpack that i i just remembered my uh what i wanted to ask i guess um mark what does marketing mean for you i guess uh, in in today's world think marketing is simply getting your message out there that is what i would put marketing as because so again actually it's not just that it's actually finding your message and then getting it out there because most projects like web3 you see mm. most people don't have a genuine message so finding like if you know simon sinek yes he has yes so you know the concept of why yes. so you have to first thing in marketing is finding your why why mm. are you actually doing it what does it do for the customers that's more like a business level thing but i think it comes as a part of marketing that finding that why message and then getting it out there to the relevant people it's it's that simple mm. that you have to have your why and get it out to the to the people who would potentially be your users your customers your buyers whatever like relevant stakeholder in your in your business do you think there's um uh is there any difference in in marketing strategies i guess with web 2 versus web 3 hmm that's a very interesting take and i think we don't know just yet mm. because web 3 is still developing we can like, we can judge at today's instant but probably things will be much different in 6 months time because the web 3 space moves too much on the on the bitcoin price so it's completely driven by speculation and prices mm. for now 
So in today's world, marketing for Web three space projects is just hype and how much money you can make because ninety mm. to ninety five percent people are in the space for that. So it's mm. like it makes sense. Whatever the market is doing, businesses are going to do the, go there that way. It's like demand and supply. So that's marketing for today. But if you ask me the future of Web three and how marketing would look like, in my opinion, it would probably be more focused on word of mouth because the whole ethos of Web three is self governing, self custody, mm. decentralization, community. These are kind of the pillars we see today. We might not have them tomorrow, but based on the current data, I think that word of mouth is going to be the most key marketing technique. and the way to do that is uh, delivering amazing customer service so mm. like in in my head for the future for web3 great marketing is going to be amazing customer service because if you do that it works in web2 as well no doubt mm. but in web3 it would be much more prominent and it would be the biggest growth lever for for projects and for companies i'm really interested to see the future of both like web 2 and web 3 and i guess how they'll coexist um and whether people will leverage web 2 to bring attention to web 3 or whether they'll be sort of separate uh, entities to your earlier point no ashwin i think a lot of uh the technology um with the blockchain obviously i think i think most people will be using technology on the blockchain just having no no idea that it's actually happening Yep, and I also think this. So to to your point of like how will Web two and Web three exist? I think one of the biggest challenges with current Web three projects is everyone is trying to leverage that hype and build something on the blockchain or in Web three or use smart contracts. Mm. The the way I think the world will eventually come to a equilibrium is some things which are not possible with Web two are going to go into Web three. but the things which are possible in web2 are going to be staying in that space like for example like de- like deeds or having loyalty rewards loyalty programs mm. doing that and conver- converting your or like example like simplest thing uh web5 what what the, this guy said uh jack said a couple of days ago it's like with facebook when you have all of your data all of your friends likes dislikes on facebook you don't own it facebook owns it mm. you can't take it and take it to a like take from facebook put it on a new platform and build your profile so mm. a company owns your history like i can't like if there are two competing food delivery apps i can't take data from one and put it on other i don't own that data the company does so if you want to leverage that if you want to enable that then a web3 model makes sense but like just because like for example one of the stupidest thing i've seen again no again i'm just saying it as i see mm. so sorry if the founder is one of the listeners of your podcast <laughs> I'm, i'm really sorry but i still think it is stupid which is someone built a nft project a guy and a team a bunch of guys actually built an nft project which was trying to bring awareness about tampons so i have no idea first of all how can a bunch of 20 something guys bring awareness about tampons when they themselves don't know the problem mm-hmm. first secondly why do you need nfts for that mm. why can't that be done with like blockchain oh sorry with the web2 technology mm. by using social media a ton of people are already doing that so things like that are not going to work in my opinion 
So that is more suited for web two and things like what we spoke about, like web five concept of Jack Dorsey. That mm. is something which will make more sense on web three. That's the way I see it at least. No, 100%. That just sounds like a bit of a cash grab, that one. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Such a such a big... Um, let's talk about your journey in, in uh, Web3. So 2017, 2020, you come back, uh, pay 21. a bit more attention. 21. 21, I apologize. Um, uh, and then you've, you've, you've thought to yourself, I'm, I'm going to learn about the space, get the understandings, um, and, and then ha- what happens from there. So uh, I think this is where my my typical life approach comes in, which is I always give something before I ask. That is just the way I am built as a human being as well. And not in business world necessarily everywhere I do that. So my journey started with like with a comp- with a YouTube channel called Crypto Banter. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty big YouTube channel, but they share a lot of stuff now. So started with them. I... And I, I'm, I'm good at identifying problems and gaps in the market. So with them, what I identified was they had like a one hour long show, which I used to watch regularly. And there were a lot of people in the community who couldn't see those shows and they needed a brief version of it. So I started creating summaries for it. I used to anyways used to watch it. So I just I started typing some like summaries and put it on the telegram group. That was like me trying to help the community out there. Like the, the manager, like CEO kind of person in the company saw that they added me to their internal community of managers, like group managers and stuff. And then like, I started doing that regularly for them. Then I think someone else started doing it. The main guy, the person who owns the company and channel, Mm. he kind of noticed that person because he was putting it on Twitter. I was putting on telegram and discord. So that guy got all of the credit and then I was like, okay, I'm, this is not anyways giving me anything. Why do I spend like two hours when someone else get all, gets all the credit? Mm. So I stopped doing that. But at the same time, they had asked me to like help them build a community in India, like a telegram community focused on India and like uh, this Indian subcontinent. So we started that community, scaled it up from zero to like 3000 people the, during like a, during a period of few months. Mm. And then from there, they started, they asked me to be a mod at a couple of like projects that they had invested in. I did the mod work for a month and realized it's again, same thing, way too much time, mm. like 15 hours a day, seven days a week, not worth it. Yeah. You pay me a million dollars to do that. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. So realized that and then just moved on from there. Same time, there were like a couple of traders from the banter group who were starting another YouTube channel of theirs. And I was in touch with them beforehand. I was helping them out do certain things. So I kind of helped them out uh, in building their YouTube channel. So just doing the again business skills I already had. So help them figure out what business makes sense for them. Kind mm-hmm. of didn't, we didn't say eye to eye. So they built it a different way, but uh, was helping them out do that, helping them with fundamental analysis of projects. As I said, I was anyways analyzing and these two guys were traders. So kind of helped them with that a little bit for a while we kind of scaled the uh, the youtube channel together from 0 to 12k subscribers and then eventually we didn't see eye to eye after a certain point and then i was like okay guys you have put in a ton of time i'm not getting anything in return and it is a time where i think i should get something and they didn't agree so we kind of kind mm. of basically parted ways on good terms mm. that has been like 
that was till like two three months ago then i started consulting so i've i've been a very big follower not follower i would say whatever i've been a fan of uh, gary v for probably 10 10 11 years seen his mm. content for a long time and I, it always spoke to me so last year when we friends launched i was a part of the community but i didn't buy in then i mm. thought it might not make sense i wanted to see where it goes but it went very high so i kind <laughs> of uh, was part of the community since then so uh, started helping out people in the community there is this uh, guy called jeremy who is kind of the go to person for the community and he was launching his own uh, platform or sir nft project so started supporting him with my time in in terms of skills from the business side still doing that with him helping him build that nft project another guy from the community named sal i'm helping him out building his radio network he's building a radio focused sorry crypto focused uh, radio network in the us he's a veteran guy he doesn't need he has the business skills as well needed just that from my experience what what are the things that can go wrong a little bit here and there i can like spend a couple of hours every week with him to mm. help him out how he can do things better so that's kind of consulting these these two two are pro bono for me for now because these are kind of friends and as i said i always try to give more than i get mm. so that's that's what i started doing and then since like a few weeks i've been creating a ton of content on linkedin i've been like so that started with actually content creation started on twitter where i just wanted like i had too much thoughts in my mind and i just wanted to get them out there so i started with twitter but i just realized there is just way too much stuff on twitter and it's like 90% of the stuff is more on focused on shilling mm. like buy my project buy my project so that didn't make sense to me so i kind of moved from there to linkedin which has been like native platform for me anyways since my startup days so mm. moved into linkedin realized okay this is a quality place only people who are genuinely building something or genuinely creating good content are here and been doing that for last 2 3 weeks like try to put in a post day doesn't happen always mm. and like connecting with people commenting on other people's stuff like that is the whole point of this is like making sure i i build a community to interact with who think about the future the same way so that when i'm building something either of myself or with someone else i have people to like bounce off ideas with if i need to leverage a community to hire someone like i have that whole community available to me when i start building something that's brilliant that's the whole point of uh, doing stuff on linkedin for now well yeah 100% i mean the 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 whole idea of linkedin is networking right yep so exactly. uh, it sounds like you're positioning yourself extremely well What what do you um I guess that sort of brings us to today Ashwin. Uh yep. and and as exciting uh and impressive as your uh journey has been up to this point uh the the future is um yeah that's 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 it's going to be very very uh lucrative and and exciting um and joyous from the sounds of it. Have you got any idea Ashwin of, of what the future may hold for yourself? So honestly I don't I know what I want it to hold for me and looking at my last 10 12 years I know that if I set my mind to something I can make that happen so I'm pretty sure this is what is going to happen over the next 7 years which is like over the next few years a fundamental base of technology products and 
services are going to be built in web3 which will support the next like the, the web th- or th- third version of the internet mm. and those will be like the paypal the google the amazon of web3 and my what i want to do in that space is i want to be a core contributor like in 7 years time or 5 to 7 years that's the time frame i take when i look back i want to be able to tell myself it doesn't matter to me if no one else agrees with it if i think that without me the world couldn't get here i would be very happy that's a, that's that's one of the greatest goals i think i've ever heard thank you <laughs> thank you so what's um <clears throat> let's dive a little bit into uh i guess the 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 web3 technology and i guess specifically um nfts for me are uh, very exciting i think um I'm very intrigued to see to your point where we may end up in 7 years. I don't think we have any idea. The the utility in the smart contract is is going to be huge similar to yourself. Uh I'm a big fan of Gary V. We obviously um met in the the V Friends community. Um yep. I don't have a V Friends either. Ashwin and it's one of my very few regrets in life. Um you know I I remember saying to some a couple of my mates Should we should we get a V friends like and with this similar so oh, we'll sit back and watch it and and make a judgment call and it just exploded out of nowhere there was no time to make a judgment call um <laughs> but uh that's exciting to, to watch that V friends uh project continue to grow and add value over time but um I guess what's what what do you find the most exciting about uh I guess smart contracts and and especially the utility element of it Honestly I think see today's in today's world one of the this is something which I build like the way I think about the world is for the world the currency is money like fiat mm-hmm. currency or like the people look at everything in terms of money and transactions happen in terms of money but on a deeper level on a human level the currency of human beings is trust that is my thought process about life and that is how I build like i don't care if if i lose some money but if i can build trust with a person for long term worth it always worth it in my head so mm. what i see is human beings are trust like focused on trust and that is their currency because if you lose money you can make money back if you lose trust it's very very difficult to make it back up and with the smart contract with the blockchain there is no doubt it will remove any degree of doubt as to what has happened it mm-hmm. can bring that trust back into the society as a whole like for example if i if i tell you like w- w- the whole story i told you today ho- all of that could be made up how do you know i am not lying how do the listeners know i am not lying there is no tangible way unless you go to that effort and talk to every person i have mentioned and ask them the questions and they have to remember it exactly the way i remember it and if that matches up then only you can know that i'm not lying but with the blockchain you can see stuff on the chain itself with smart mm-hmm. contracts it's like let's say we set up today's call you said you'll get me here i said i'll come with a smart in this conversation we both had to trust each other to show up on time with a smart contract this transaction can't happen on a smart contract but transactions like this can happen on the contract where no one gets screwed up simplest mm-hmm. example is something which i put up last week which was freelancers and consultants 
one of the challenges as consultant or a freelancer is people take work and vanish it it happens on both sides clients do it freelancers do it so if it is built on the chain if it is built on smart contract first is you have reputation it's mm-hmm. legit reputation built for freelancers secondly if the contract is on chain dude you can't hire me if unless you have the money put in that contract like once both of us sign contract i deliver the work and then the money comes directly to my bank account so it's it doesn't like there is no chance of cheating in that whole con- transaction it makes it more user like user friendly in a way so that's the way i see like one of the core things of human nature is brought back because of smart contracts and blockchain mm. and in terms of utility i think it's it's just utility for nfts the the sky is the limit dude like the the simplest one the biggest opportunity i see is like microsoft using nfts as a key to their software mm. microsoft in itself is a big company make billions of dollars and probably lose billions of dollars to piracy mm. like like i know during my engineering days like out of 200 students probably 70 to 80% were using pirated copies of windows because they couldn't afford to buy it it's just that but with with nfts you don't have to build the os on on chain but if you have the validation part only on chain mm. like without someone having that valid key which is an nft in their system on their system they wouldn't be able to do it they wouldn't mm. be able to access windows and that can potentially like stop piracy to a big extent there are like in terms of utilities the sky is the limit it's just for people like us to figure out new business models new mm-hmm. like innovations in the space to use nfts and uh smart contracts it's very exciting uh and and for me personally the smart contract side of things um i'm def- i've def- definitely got my eyes open to that and i'm i'm excited to to see the creativity in the different projects that most will obviously go to zero especially in this first sort of uh, couple of years two three years where everyone's trying to figure it out um yeah. the community in the in the web3 space there's a lot of um it just it just feels like a there's a lot of love in the uh in the web3 space um and then you mentioned tw- <laughs> you mentioned twitter uh twitter is uh look it's an interesting platform there's a lot of uh you've got to have some thick skin i think to be a regular on twitter is probably the the best way i can put that one that's uh, i was actually going to say this that i don't know which web3 world you live in but the world <laughs> which i live in there is not too much love <laughs> i agree with you you need to really have a lot of thick skin because again it's it's human nature right that people are not in it for the everyone will say they are in it for the community but 90 95% people are in it for the money and when you put in money you can't afford to lose you put in your like children's tuition fees or your mortgage payment and you're thinking of paying off the mortgage in 3 months and then every money you had like goes to zero obviously people are going to get angry that's just human nature so it's just again as i said earlier as well it's like the market is working that way that's why that kind of people are coming in eventually like i'm very excited for next couple of years or like probably three to four quarters i would say mm. simply because there is no money to be made so the people who still live in the space breathe this space build in this space 
are these people who actually know about it, who care about it, and those are the people who will stay long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Well, you mentioned um, a, a couple of resources already, Ashwin. Who, who do you, uh, I guess, who do you follow in the space um, to keep up to date with uh, the ever-changing world of crypto? So I honestly don't follow people. I follow Cointelegraph, Decrypt, because those are the two two places which I where I always get good information and whatever is like happening. Like most recent stuff, I always find it on Cointelegraph. It might not be completely right or relevant, but it's like I read the headline, I know what is happening. If I want to dive deep, I can go and dive deeper into it. But mm. there, there hasn't been like in the last... I would say four to six months, there hasn't been anything that I missed, which was like, which was not there on Cointelegraph. Anything happened in the crypto space and was not there on that. So I have like notifications on, on Telegram for those two. Mm-hmm. And I just follow them. And uh, in terms of people, then again, like projects, I follow Gary. Mm-hmm. So, but again, it's like my Discord and my Twitter is muted. So it's, I, I always make sure that I have these two platforms muted because there are too many notifications. Yeah. So I just go there. I check out the notifications I have, read through the tweets to see what has happened. But it's like project specific, like three, four projects I follow. And for what is happening in the space, I just go to my Telegram for Cointelegraph and uh, Decrypt. How yeah. often do um, uh, Cointelegraph and Decrypt um, post articles? Uh, I think for Cointelegraph, it is way too much. Mm. In a day, they have like, 50 to 55 articles coming in. So that's wow. way too much. Again, depends on the market scenario, but like last, last two, three days, I think I'd seen like a hundred articles coming from them. Yeah, Some, like, because again, a lot of things are happening in the market right now, probably mm. because of that. So I would put it like an, at an average of 30, 35 from Cointelegraph. Decrypt is much lesser in volumes, wherein they are like maybe five to seven articles a day, max okay. 10, I would say. Yeah. But again, both both are relevant for me in, in my head at least because I can go in depth or if I just want don't have too much time, want to get the highlights, then I go to Decrypt. If I want to go in depth, have time, go to Cointelegraph. Yeah, perfect. Ashwin, have you had any uh, have had any mentors or coaches throughout your uh, career? I I did. So it's like honestly, this a lot of things. Have I can see people as mentors or coaches in hindsight. Yeah. Like for example, the NLP guy, mm. he did want to be my coach. I didn't agree with him at all. And probably he was a coach during that period of time for me because it did impact me a lot in my life after. But during that time, I didn't know that. So that is one of the people I would say. Uh, then the CEO of my last company, Hoyan, he, he was a mentor for me for, for a while. He was helping me helping me learn more stuff and like build the business. So he had scaled a business before. So he knew the stuff until whenever, like I used to have a weekly meeting with him. I used to ask him certain questions used to give me the answers and then help him help me out. A couple other people, there is a, there is a person who was, who is a VC mm-hmm. and she was a, she was a consultant for our company, last company. Her name is Jen. She's a, she has been my mentor for like last year, year and a half. And she's been like big. So she helps me with business as well as like big life things. So big picture thought process, she helps me out with. And there's a friend of mine who's 
who's less of a mentor coach but she's a very good friend of mine and she knows her shit from mm-hmm. business perspective so we always talk about that and she's kind of a she's more of a sounding board for me whenever i'm i'm stuck in a place i like i give her a call we discuss about stuff and i'm much clearer about how to proceed about a certain thing after that that's exciting um that was leading into my next question ashwin if you had any uh, sort of business support people around you um but you yeah. pretty much covered that <laughs> i think i think i i use like a few more people so my typical way of making important decisions mm. in terms of business as well it's like if it is a direction decision and things like that because when you're making that kind of a decision you have to consider multiple perspectives and in the past i've realized that i have that is one of my blind spots wherein i think about probably out of 10 i think about five or six different things and miss out on three or four so what i do now is i spend my own time and then i have people from different fields and verticals to talk to so that they can give me their opinions and i can probably like cover those blind spots so i have a few friends from my engineering who are like mckinsey bain kind of people consulting people mm-hmm. who are working there so i talk to them i have a sister in law of mine who's building her own business or her their family business i talk to my wife because she gives me a she knows me better than anyone else except probably me so she gives me like how i would react sometimes i don't see how i would behave in a certain situation 3 years down the line but mm. she can so that personal level of uh, insight comes from my wife and from my brother sometimes so those are kind of the support group i have on top of the mentors and coaches i mentioned earlier i i really love that um um the idea you brought up of of blind spots <clears throat> I think uh it's very easy for because we all we all like to be liked and so yep. it's very natural to to hang out with people with the same ideas the same beliefs the same hobbies uh because we'll naturally gravitate towards them but um the downside to that if if there were to be one is if people see the world the same as you then you won't see the world like everyone else if that's going to make sense so yep. um I, i really love that idea of blind spots i haven't heard anyone put it uh so so practically as that ashwin so um makes me think who who else can i sort of lean on myself that perhaps doesn't see the world my way yep i think that that also comes with time right it's like and it comes with one of the things which we spoke about uh, earlier which is self awareness mm. it's like because i have put in those 7 8 9 years into understanding myself and questioning myself on everything i do on a day to day basis that has given me this awareness that okay this is a blind spot and i can't do this mm-hmm. i can't see it when i'm in this kind of state i can't see this and because of that i need this kind of person so it's like when you put in that work into yourself that kind of builds it for you so that's that's what has happened for me Um I've I've got a I've got a handful of questions and I want to dive into the uh the two truths and a lie. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, the transparency Ashton was kind enough to send me two truths and a lie uh before the show. Um I really should have led with this Ashton because the conversation is obviously uh naturally dropped a few hints for me so um yeah. I maybe didn't do you uh the greatest service there so I'll learn from that. But um what what's uh, what are, what's your favorite book Ashton? Uh see there are a few 
like a few books which kind of shaped me early years of my life that's why i really like them so two of them one is lean startup one mm-hmm. is called zero to one so these two eric, lean startup is written by eric ries and zero to one is written by peter thiel so this is like early stage thought process of how to build a business thought process like processes and things like that so these two like books kind of shaped me then currently like another book which has had a big impact on me is called uh, never split the difference mm. by chris was it's like a negotiation focused book by one of the big, best uh, hostage negotiators fbi has ever had so that is a book which i still love and suggest every sales person should read it probably every businessman should read it and then like one of the books which i always go to when i'm in trouble or i when i need to find an answer is called tools of titans by mm-hmm. tim ferris so by 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 your smile i know i i can see you know the book yeah like tim has tim has done bunch of like big people podcast and he just narrowed like it's basically a summary of like 200 podcast in one single book which probably has like 95% answers which you need in the life in your life in in whole life not just business but mm-hmm. in life in general so those are like some of the ones which has impacted me at different points in my life and like i hold dear to my heart i i love that you you did that cuz it is about that big it's uh, yes. it's it's massive um hey, again you don't need to read it right my my way is like i have a, i have the hard copy and i have the soft copy so i search mm. in the soft copy and then i go to the hard copy and read it in that yeah perfect it's it's a yeah you're right it's a brilliant but i haven't uh, uh i i set out um to read it from front from front to back and uh uh yeah i i i stopped sort of halfway so i'm yet to revisit it it's on my to-do list it it's it, it's a great book i really like it a lot how do, how do you go with books ashwin because um i always find myself with sort of three or four books open at once uh mm-hmm. and and like i question whether there's more value in just starting a book and finishing a book and then moving on but um i i i get sort of excited with the the new releases from um you know everyone else oh, i need to get into that book and uh yeah there's there's quite a few unfinished books on my uh, bookcase so honestly in my opinion having an unfinished book is a very good thing this is like a very contrary to the how people yeah, think yeah but it's like see if a book cannot hold your interest for long enough it probably is not for you so i have a ton of like so what i do is i start a book i mm. probably read it till i am interested in it sometimes i like probably like one of the like when when books are very interesting to me i finish it in like 2 3 days 4 days there yeah. are sometimes like very heavy books like the one which i am reading right now it's a emotionally heavy book so i don't read it i can't read it rather completely at a go so i read like couple of pages or like couple of chapters in a day and then keep going about it that way and i typically i go about it like i have one book at a time because that works better for me i've tried multiple books Mm. but i think like it just my brain works that better that way that if i have one book then i will try to give it the chance if it can't hold my interest even trying even after forcing myself to read it i am like this book is not for me like for example like think and grow rich it's mm-hmm. a it's an iconic book and people like praise it a lot but i couldn't read it i mm. tried a couple of times i couldn't so i'm like okay this is not meant for me so i just keep it aside but like for example the 
uh, uh, never split the difference. Or there was a book for uh, like I like to read biographies a lot about business founders. I like to understand their thought process and stuff. So Amazon biography or like how Amazon was built, how Walmart was built, how Nike was built. Books like these, I just read them through in a, in a couple of days or a week. Mm. It's that. So understanding what makes sense for me, that's the way I go about books. I like that. One of my favorite books is uh, uh, The Alchemist. By, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. I know. It's a, a brilliant and such a, uh, so much value and such a short story. Yep. And it's like, what I've found is I've read it multiple stages of life. So first mm. time I read it, I was in like seventh grade. <laughs> Didn't understand anything in the book. <laughs> yeah. Then I read it in 12th and I understood some part. Then I read it like probably when I was like 20, I read, understood some more, like a different perspective. And I read it once more when I was 25, I got another perspective. I think I'm getting to a place where I should read it again to get some other insight out of that book. I like that. I might do the same myself. Uh, I heard someone else speaking about that. They're literally, literally the same thing. Reading books at different stages in life will 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 share different um, you know different nuggets of gold. So, yeah, I love that. Um, one of the other questions I hit uh, had here, Ashwin, was, uh, "What's your favorite tool of of any kind?" Oh, Excel, Excel or Google Sheets. That's like the easiest question for me. I'm a I like <laughs> to have structure. So yeah. I think if you if you have noticed that I, I like build stuff and like put it in a process structure for myself. So my life runs on Excel. I have like, so one of the things which happened after my last role was I had, I could be financially free. So that was one of the bigger things for me because for me, financial freedom is not having to do a job necessarily to survive. So I reached that stage in life. And one of the biggest things that enabled me to do that was having an Excel tool, which I built, which could project like project me and my family, basically me and my wife's life till we are 80. So building that out on an Excel and then seeing how that would work out. Obviously life doesn't work according to Excel's, but it gave me that freedom to be like taking a break or not having to do a job forever. So that kind of gives me a lot of uh, flexibility. I like, I work, I live in Excel. So like the tool, if I have to pick one tool, if world ends and I can get only one tool, I'll pick Excel forever. I love that. Um, all right, let's let's dive into the uh, the the two two truths and a lie. And, and again, I I need to apologise, Ashwin. I don't like throwing apologies around, but I, I feel I owe you an apology. I should have led with this, but uh, that's okay. We're here now. So Ashwin yes. was uh, kind enough to send through two truths and a lie, which I'll go through now. Um, number one, I am an extrovert. Number two, I have sixty percent of my net worth in crypto. And number three, I have achieved financial freedom. Now, the irony is, as I read these out, uh, I'm not as convinced as I was before. Um, I will take a stab in the dark at the lie, and I'll say that uh, you are, in fact, not an extrovert. Yep. So, again, because I am a sales guy, I I have that skill set. But as I said earlier, it's like by definition, extroverts are people who gather energy in groups of people and they draw energy from other people. And introverts are like who are drained in public setting. 
for me the way it works is i kind of i can't take too many people for too long i can probably do it for like a couple of hours and then i need my solo time for at least couple of hours so that i can recharge myself so that's where i i think i'm a i'm more of an introvert by definition of it than mm. an extrovert what do you think this always uh, works this always like if we hadn't had the whole chat yeah, and yeah. if i even if i give it out to people who know me this lie always works yeah yeah so i i'm the exception i've done you with a service ashwin i apologize <laughs> no worries at all uh, what what uh, this is probably a good one to finish on ashwin um mm-hmm. what brings you the most happiness in life hmm that's a very deep question i think see honestly i'm so this is like this is literally something which happened two days ago so we were going on the road like me uh, me my family we went for a road trip over the weekend we were cruising at 120 kilometers an hour and like so it was it was this way like one way road and mm. suddenly a big car we were in a sedan and it was an suv which was coming at 120 probably towards us and we were almost like my dad was driving so he saw it and he changed the lane immediately but in that moment i thought that what if i had died because it was if we had crashed we probably all five of us we yeah. would have died that day and when i i kept thinking about that throughout the day this was in the morning i kept thinking about that throughout the day and the answer that came into my mind after that throughout the thought process was i would have been very happy so it's like i am in a very content place in my life and i think so to like this comes back to your question the reason i think it comes back there is what brings me most happiness right now is is like doing something which i truly believe in and love it's like i'm i'm already living with the love of my life she understands me we spend like probably like except like 10 hours she is in office spend the rest of the time together so that brings one big part of life like let's say 14 hours or 15 hours of my day my happiness comes from there mm. rest 8 hours 10 hours comes from doing stuff which i genuinely like like doing this talking to people helping people out making a positive impact on their lives so that is what brings like happiness in my life Ashwin, that uh, that response makes me happy, my friend. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed tonight, so I want to thank you very much for uh, joining us here on the show, ladies and gents. Do yourselves a favor, Ash, Ashwin. Where is the best place uh, for people to to connect with yourself? I think I would say LinkedIn at the moment, yep. because I, I don't I don't like Twitter too much anymore. Mm. I do do that, but it's like if you send me a message on LinkedIn or a request on LinkedIn, you'll probably hear back from me in like. half an hour an hour or an hour on twitter it will be like a couple of days mm. sometimes mm. So linkedin is the best place to connect yep i'll uh, i'll i'll put the uh linkedin um uh contact address in the comments below uh yep. ladies and gents do yourselves a favor reach out he's uh he's a beautiful man and a big will be a big part and already is in the uh, web3 um world as it evolves over time Uh, Ashwin, thank you again, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your day. You uh, too, my friend. Ladies and gents, enjoy the rest of your night. We'll see you next time.